0: Uh, Glad you guys are here tonight. We're going to continue our uh, look at what makes for a healthy church. I'll tell you what, something that would really help me right now, you're going to hate me, and I don't care, would be for all of you people whom I love dearly and with all of my heart, for you to just get up and for you to move over here. And I tell you what would be even better is if you sat kind of in this general area. That way it's not just me and Drew having a little one-on-one, which is fun. And if you've never done that, you owe it to yourself to have a little one-on-one with Drew Nelson. He doesn't just have the voice of an angel. He has the, 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 the thoughts of, of God's Word as well. Drew Nelson. He does have a voice of an angel. Um, awesome. I'm glad you guys are here. I'll tell you what we're going to do um, first is we're going to pray for just different needs in the life of the church. I don't have anything specific in mind tonight, so what we're going to do is I've got two guys with mics where are my mic guys? Raise your hand. There's there's Stephen back there. There's Theodore back there. They look very similar, eerily similar, but they're different people. Um, So what we're going to do for just the next few minutes, um, if you have something that we should pray for as a church family, just throw your hand up and Stephen and or Drew will find you, hand you a microphone. Wait till the microphone gets to you, please. That's always helpful. Uh, And just on that note, as we think about things to pray for, You know, things really pertinent to the life of the church, maybe you, your household, uh, members of the the church, so we can maybe zero in on some stuff. Yeah, prayer request. Oh, man, look at Jared raising his hand, waiting calmly and patiently for Stephen to bring him a microphone. Awesome.
1: Is it on? It is. Sweet. I've never had one of these before in my hands. I feel pretty good right now. All right, so um, we all know Kristen and Brad and Jennifer are in Uganda. I got a text from Kristen. Uh, earlier today, um, she had her first meeting with the kidsmen folks uh, from King Jesus in Uganda. And there was a lot more people there than she anticipated. And I don't know how many of you actually know my wife, but speaking in front of large groups of people is one of her absolute favorite things to do in the world. And I say that with all of the sarcasm that I yeah, can. Yeah. Um, and so that was a little bit of a humbling experience for her. But also, while they're obviously, they, they speak you know, fluent English, I think there was a little bit of a communication barrier because of slang and vernacular and all that stuff. So I think there was, a, she felt like there was a little bit of a struggle in communication there. So I would just ask you guys just to pray for her and pray for the work that, that Brad and her and Jennifer are doing while they're there, because uh, I think that's a great relationship that we have. And I think that this is a great opportunity for uh, for both us and them to pour into
0: each other through the, through the you know, the upbringing of children. So yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Could somebody pray for our partners in Uganda and then as well for for Brad and Kristen and Jennifer while they're there? Who will do that? Just raise your hand if you will pray for that. And then I'm going to have you pray for that. Ruben's got it. Of course he does. Awesome. Yeah, pray for Jared and the girl. That's probably where we need to focus our prayers tonight. Yeah, Ruben, why don't you pray for us?
2: Uh, Father God, thank you so much uh, for your mercy and your grace and God. Uh thank you for allowing uh, Brad and Jennifer and Kristen to go to Uganda just to to minister to people there father I, I just thank you for your grace and your your mercy in allowing us to to be a part of what you are doing um uh, in the universe in the world father i pray uh just just recognizing, Father, that, that you are sovereign, that you, that you use <clears throat> even our weaknesses and uh, even the moments that we feel like we have messed up, God, you use those moments uh, and you redeem those moments ultimately uh, to show to show that we are weak and that you are strong, and that it's not about us; it's about you. Uh, so, God, I pray uh, that you would you would remind uh, um, just uh, Kristen and bread and. And Jennifer, just as, as, they, as they serve there, that you would remind them that um, and that you would, you would show yourself strong um, as they minister there, Father. And God, I also just thank you for, for, for Pastor Rafael and King Jesus Church and their ministry there, God. We, we, we pray for much fruit uh, and we, we pray uh, even that you would uh, send more workers for the harvest is plentiful, Father, as, as your word says. Uh, we know that. So thank you, God, for your faithfulness and your goodness. And I pray for Jared and the girls as, as they're here. I pray uh, that you'll be with their family. And may, you, may, you, may you be gracious to them and bless them and make your face uh, shine upon them. In Jesus' name I pray.
0: Amen. Thanks, Reuben. Um, what else can we pray for? saw so a hand go up maybe, maybe, huh? Or was that just a false alarm? Yeah. Uh, who is that? Uh, yeah, Carla. Thanks.
3: I'm going to put him on the spot a little bit, but we need to pray for Teddy.
0: Yeah. he'll
3: be leaving us
2: and going to Vietnam first for training and then on to China for a year.
0: Yeah, Teddy is going to be gone. Dear Theodore He's going for a year to uh, China to, to teach and minister the gospel uh, to people he gets to know. Yeah, somebody, let's pray for Teddy. Who will pray for Teddy? Awesome. Looks like Dan the man got that. Oh, Clayton beat you to it. Awesome.
3: Father, we thank you for who you are. And we thank you that we get to be a part of the greatest commission that you could ever give us. That Though you do not need us, you have chosen to allow us to be part of spreading the good news. And Lord, I thank you for for Teddy and for his desire to do that. And Lord, we know that the fields are white to harvest, and I thank you that Teddy has answered that call, that he's prayed that he volunteered to say, send me. And Lord, I pray that as he goes to Vietnam and to China, and as he engages a culture that he's not familiar with, as he deals with difficulties of just communication or uh, just a different culture, Lord, I pray that you would just be his strong tower, be his confidence, remind him, Through the good times, as he gets to experience wonderful things, but also through the hard times of feeling like he may not understand exactly why he's there, the the difficulties. Lord, I pray that you would just strengthen him up, that you would keep his focus on you, and Lord, that through it all, that, uh, that he would just be able to clearly communicate through both his words and through his life, just your love to people that have not seen it. Lord, we thank you for who you are, thank you for your love, that you loved us even while we were yet sinners. And Lord, I pray that that message would just go forth clearly through Teddy's life. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks. What else can we pray for? The Lord has provided everything that we need. Awesome. I'd say one thing we can pray for, um, there are just a few marriages in the church that are just experiencing a lot of turbulence right now and I think it'd be worth it's always it's always worth praying for, but I, I think it'd be good if somebody would just pray for the, the marriages and uh, just the the holiness of husbands and of wives and all that. Who will pray for that? Jay. Awesome.
4: Lord, we thank you so much for marriage and the wonderful picture it is of our relationship with you. And Lord, we acknowledge that it calls, it calls upon a lot of, of, lot of growth and character when it comes to forgiveness and restoration and long suffering. And Lord, we, we lift specifically the marriages in this congregation. Many of them are military, which are undergoing stressors that that many people have no idea of what this is going through, Uh, far away from home and support systems. And we pray that you'll help us to be, as a church, a a safe ground for all these people that you bring into our midst. Help us to strengthen their marriages through our contact, through our encouragement, through through our discipleship. Lord, but we pray for specifically those marriages in our congregation that are going through tough times even today. We pray that the forgiveness that we receive from you through Christ will be evident in our marriages, that restoration will will take place, and that you will be honored in all of these marriages. And we pray for those people that I know in this room that intervene and that are trying to serve as your ambassadors. Give us words to speak and help us to push these couples on to the right direction that they need to go. That you may be honored in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks. Um, Well, let's go and get started. Uh, Last week, We started this series on what makes for a healthy church. And uh, if you hadn't caught on, I think Brad said this we're using uh, the nine marks of a healthy church as kind of a rubric to to work through. Nine Marks of a Healthy Church is a book put out by um, Mark Dever and a ministry organization called Nine Marks, uh, following that. Uh, But it 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 outlines nine marks of uh, what makes for a healthy church. So that's what we're. That's what we're looking at. Last week, we looked at the first two, uh, expository preaching uh, and biblical theology. And so if you missed that, it's online. You can find it on our website. Um, Brad had some notes that I didn't see extras of, but we, we do have that if you want to look at that later on. I can email it to you. Um, and, and tonight, we have some notes as well um, on that back table if you missed it. But tonight, we'll be looking at uh, the gospel and conversion. And I think you might be tempted uh, to, to say, oh man, the gospel, and I'm not judging you. I'm not saying in that way. I'm saying you may, you may be sitting here going, I know, I know that, I know that. That is why I'm here. As a matter of fact, um, so we're, we're going to talk about that, and I want to really emphasize, especially, I mean, really for both of these things, just the the importance of why, like philosophically, why does that matter for the local church? Why does that matter for CrossPoint that we really be obsessed uh, with? getting the gospel right? You know, why does it matter for you uh, as a member of this church and as just a a believer out in the world? Why does it matter for you that we get the gospel right, that we get conversion right, that we have a biblical understanding of what conversion is? Um, So that's what I want us to work through tonight. I do have some books to give away, and uh, I'm pretty pumped about this. So um, we gave this one out last week, I think. It's called What is a Healthy Church? And it it goes through sort of the nine marks and a few other just little tidbits. But yeah, Simone wants it. Awesome. Here you go. Hey, Drew, can you take this this month? Thanks. Voice of an angel. She's right back there. Um, We have two books that are more specifically looking at the things we're talking about tonight. Uh, This one's called The Gospel. Now, uh, it, it is more than a restatement of the gospel, the the author Ray Ortland, he um is a really good guy by the way. Uh he takes the he looks at the gospel and tries to see it more through the lens of the the church. What is it what is how should it shape the way a local church works and and what it looks like, what members look like, all of that. So it's it's not just what is the gospel. It is that, but it but it is also more it expands that more into the life of the church, into the life of believers. So who, I've got two to give away. Who wants one? Yeah, we got one. Daniel, can, can you take that? Sorry, sorry. You, you want the other one? I'll give you the other one. Here you go. Um, and then we have two books to give away on and called creatively conversion. Um, this, you know, I, I thought well maybe people would be more interested after we've talked about it because I feel like when I say the word conversion, people's eyes kind of. Like you can see a sort of film kind of like rise above where they can't even, you know, like, I don't even know if you're looking at me. Um, but this is so helpful, and I think maybe a better way to think about it, oh, well, okay, so the subtitle, How God Creates a People. Um, it, it's, it's, okay, what, you believe the gospel, you say believe the gospel. What, is that, what does that even mean? What does that look like? How can I know that you believe the gospel? How can I know that you have been converted? Uh, so this is not just looking at, okay, what are the basic steps of conversion, but, but beyond that, how, how can I know, how can I see those steps evident in your life? Um, so we've got two copies of this, which Drew will hand out. Uh, who wants one? All right. Awesome. Right there. And then Lori, yeah, you can take this one too. Awesome. Okay. Well done, Drew. Thanks. Um, we do try to have these books stocked in the resource room. So if you're jealous and you want a copy, they're in the resource room for $5 or something. Awesome. Well, um, let's look at this then, the gospel and conversion. Um, I've got up on the screen, you hopefully have the notes too. Um, I want to just outline this with three basic questions. So the first question we'll ask of the gospel, what is a biblical understanding of the gospel? Um, one of the things that we really like to refer to, you hear us say this on Sunday mornings, you hear us say this in our membership class, if you've gone through that, is this is very, it's a, it's a four-word outline of what the gospel is. And, and it's not the only way to describe the gospel uh, by any means, right? The gospel has so many elements to it that we could spend days, years, 66 books if we wanted to talk about it, um, but to really boil it down and just hit the, the absolute essential kind of highlights, um, we like to summarize it with four words, God, man, Christ, and response, and that should sound familiar. Uh, we try to incorporate that into every Sunday sermon um, as, as clearly as we can. Um, it starts with God. God creates all things. He, he, he brings humanity out of the dust. He breathes life uh, in, into, into us and calls, calls us, calls his creation to glorify and honor him and obey him. Uh, but the man falls into sin. Um, we, we are united inseparably to our father Adam who dis, disobeyed, rebelled against God. And so then all humanity has fallen down with him uh, and Eve into um, really being God's enemies, uh, but then again, the Lord in His in His providence, in His kindness, in His mercy and justice, He sends His Son Jesus, Christ, uh, to the earth, taking on flesh, um, so that in Christ we have the perfect mediator between God and man, the God-Man. Uh, who, who, who lives a perfect life, dies though a, as, as if he were uh, a sinner because he actually took on our sin. The Bible says he became sin for us so that we might become the, the righteousness of God. Um, so, so then Jesus has done this. Whether you believe or not, he has done this. But uh, for, for this to be something that is actually yours, uh, you, you have to believe. There must be a response uh, these aren't just facts that you can uh, nod your head to or, or uh, remember and explain to other people. Um, these are things that, that you actually need to bank your entire life on. What is your response? Um, so that, that's a very short summary of, of what the gospel is. If, if we look at 1 Corinthians um, chapter 2, uh, Paul, he says this in verse 2, I decided to know nothing among you. Except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If you go to chapter 15, starting in verse one, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And this is really telling. This tells us exactly what. Okay, what are the essentials? What is this gospel that Paul wants to remind them of? I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Uh, that Christ died for our sins. You know, I, I think um, that, that's a pretty good, just boiled down, the essence of what the gospel is summary. There, there it is, right there. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. This is biblical. Uh, this is found from Genesis to Revelation. Um, this is this is and it's important that we that we make sure we hold on to that aspect of it. He was buried, he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That matters because the Bible matters, and whether or not the gospel accords with what the Bible says about it matters, right? Um, he was buried, he was raised in accordance with the scriptures of that he appeared to to Cephas, who is Peter, then to the twelve. He appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Uh, that's, that's quite a statement, right? I mean, that that's something that can be disproven, potentially. And You're throwing it out there. There are 500 people who've seen this, who know this. Um, most of whom are still alive. There's some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. Then to all the apostles. Last of all as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, referring to Paul. Um, the, the resurrection matters. The, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. This is where we find the the essence of the gospel, because that is the essence of the Christian life, is that you have died, been buried, and been brought to new life if you're united to Jesus by faith. I mean, that, that's the gospel, right? I mean, so, so the gospel can really be boiled down to a, a, a you know, I guess a, a, a foundational set of truths. The Bible expands on all of that, though, which is why the whole Bible is so necessary, because apart from Scripture, you know, that, even that little mnemonic, you know, the, the fourth thing, I mean, that's not just right there laid out in one easy-to-understand sentence. This is something that we're pulling from all of Scripture. Uh, this is biblical theology, like we talked about last week. Um, Romans 6.23 is, is another passage that, that I think about uh, when I think about just how, how straightforward the gospel is and, and, and what, what is essential for me to understand. 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, so that, that's the gospel. Um, it's, I, I don't mean to, to just fly through it. I'm assuming probably most of you have heard this, right? You've heard this every Sunday morning um, if you've been paying attention, right? Um, this is something that, that you know if you're a member of this church. You, you have explained to the elders and pastors what you believe uh, about this most important thing. Uh, the, the most critical thing for you to know and believe. So, what does this matter though for the local church? That may seem like a, a bit of a dumb question, but let's let's really think about it. Because, you know, you you, you find if you look, you don't really have to look hard. Uh, if you just look around, you, you you start to get the impression that that the gospel is kind of a it's like the bottom rung of the ladder, and then and then everything else like this is the advanced stuff, right? Uh, the doctrine of the Trinity and the doctrine of predestination. Uh, and then you've really made it when you, have a deci- when, you have a, when you know what your doctrine of the end times is. You know, that's, that's the big leagues, you know. We tend to think about doctrine this way, as though the gospel is just one kind of, I don't know, cog in the machine. Um, but, but it is so much more than that. Uh, the gospel is not just kind of the first step. I mean, it's the whole staircase. It's everything. Uh, the, the gospel is the wheel. And, and then there are a bunch of these little spokes that we want to think about and talk about that the Bible teaches us about. But the gospel is essential. It is central. And it's central in the life of the local church, um, which is why if you find yourself, maybe you move and you, you end up in another city and looking for a church family and you find yourself in a place where the gospel is is assumed or it's not really clearly explained every week, um, you you, you may be looking at trouble, uh, because a church that's veered away from the gospel is, is inevitably going to veer away from everything that makes a church a, a church. Um, the, the gospel does, it, it sets apart God's people. Um, it matters in our weekly gatherings. You know, when we get together on Sunday morning, I'm thinking in particular, it's so important that that be central to our time together. Um, I mean, to the point where I think, I think sometimes we don't think about Sunday mornings the way that we should. We think, this is where I get my booster shot for the week, and I, I can be pepped up. Maybe I had a rough week before, and now I'm going into another tough week ahead, but this will be the thing that kind of holds me over and gets me, gets me through it. Um, and there are elements that, that are maybe true, but, but I think we, we probably do ourselves a disservice when we don't see Sunday morning as a time where we get to reflect on the gospel, where we get to rehearse the gospel with each other. We sing it, we pray it, we read it, we, we hear it preached and taught, and, and Lord willing, our conversations before and after should reflect this gospel. When we gather on Sunday morning, it's not just some sort of social hour, um, it, it's, it's gospel practice. If you want to think about it that way. It's, it's when we, we get together and we're reminded of the essential truth. It's not that we, oh man, that sermon was really good. It got so in-depth into that passage. Maybe that's helpful, but, but if it doesn't get to the gospel, it, it's ultimately not going to serve you well long-term. All right, we, we want to gather around the gospel on Sunday morning. We want the gospel to be the foundation for all of our ministries and programs and whatever we have going on. Uh, youth ministry is all about the gospel. Community groups are all about the gospel. When men's lunch and women's lunch get together, we, we want the gospel to be real in these environments. We, we want the gospel to be the, the focus. So that even if we're just eating together, even if we're just sharing fellowship with one another, uh, we, we want the gospel to be the grounds for that very thing. Right? Right? Uh, which is why we, we, honestly, we don't have a, a whole lot of programs and systems and things in place at Crosspoint, um, I think in large part because we, we feel like, you know what, the, the gospel, it, where are the gospel needs in our church and how can we expand on that? Thinking from it, thinking about things from that perspective rather than starting out with what, how can we create something? No, okay, where does the gospel lead us? And sometimes the gospel will lead us to create something just for teenagers, right? um but but it should be the gospel that that serves as the foundation for that. The gospel is the foundation for all of our ministries and it's like it's the it's the thing that our whole fellowship is oriented around. Right? That's what that's what unites us. That's what pulls us together. That's what stirs up affection that we might have for one another. It should be the gospel. Uh not our uh you know political affiliations or uh, or, or, or any sort of background that we have, whether it's you know, where you grew up or what side of town you grew up or uh, your, the, the, the resources you have or don't have access to, uh, those things are not primary. The gospel is primary. You know, the, the gospel is the thing that we, uh, we, we want to find our core identity in uh, as, a, as a church family, so that as even as we relate to one another my, my first thought is not oh man what a what a train wreck or oh man I wish I could be more like that person you know uh, but but the the first thought is you know like thinking about how, how can I push this person toward a deeper understanding of the gospel you know h- how is my connection with this person such that um, that we can rejoice in the work of the Lord together you know when was the last time you really thought about just one another that way you know it's, it's not easy it's, it doesn't come naturally that's why I ask um, it'd be worth just examining your motives as we gather even right now you know the the people you're sitting by maybe you're related to them you were going to sit by them no matter what but uh, you know how does the gospel actually tie you together as a church family do you see one another that way that's such an important thing to ask which is why when we talk about the gospel, it may seem kind of, oh, yeah, no, I get that. But, man, if you get to a place where you just assume that the gospel is the foundation, you just assume that, that the work of Christ, everyone, yeah, no, of course, yeah, we got that. We're moving on. Then you might have missed it. And you, you actually could be planting the seeds for the unraveling uh, of, of God's church, this local church, um, when we assume the gospel. What does this matter for you? You? personally. We've kind of started moving into that. What does this matter for you? Why should you be obsessed with getting the gospel right and, and letting the gospel influence all the things that you do on an individual uh, level? Um, well, I think if you're like me, you might be prone to gospel amnesia. Anybody have that? I deal with that? You know, you know the gospel, you know the truths of the gospel. I, you know, God, man, Christ's response, yeah, I got it, sweet, all right. But then, you know, tomorrow or the next day, something will come up where you will live as though none of that is true. It's inevitable. I mean, this, this is just kind of what happens. Um, you get into a situation or a conversation or an argument or whatever the case may be, and, and you've lost sight of who you are in Christ. I mean, I, this happens all the time in my brain, you know, I was about to say my household. No, it happens right here. Uh, where I, I, sometimes I'll catch myself. Sometimes I need other people to catch me, and remind me that what I, the way I'm perceiving this, the way I'm perceiving myself is not actually oriented around the gospel. We have amnesia. We forget. Uh, we, we live as though something else is more central to who we are, or more important to our life. What about the gospel being the foundation of your own personal ministry and evangelism? I say ministry and evangelism because I think we tend to think of evangelism as, like, oh, well, that's where you share the gospel. And then the way we interact with one another as a church family, the way that we care for our own, like, like biological family or, or what have you, like, that's, that's something different. That's something else. We, we minister in a different way. No, we, sh- we don't, or we shouldn't, because the gospel is what sets us apart, you know? Um, Think of the, the people in your life who are dealing with difficult circumstances. Maybe it's you. Um, maybe people you're related to or just people in the church. Uh, think of how, how prone you might be to tackle some issue, some problem, some conversation, and, and to just go straight at it with a, a, a maybe very practical, maybe very helpful, even potentially wise you know, uh, method of dealing with it. But if you're doing that without getting to the gospel— you might actually be building on sand. You think about that—the um, the way that we interact with one another. Our, our primary question should not be, uh, "How can this person be happier or, or more emotionally healthy?" You know, it should be, "Okay, where where is this person? Where am I missing gospel implications?" Um, I think all the time about uh, Galatians and. Uh, the Apostle Paul, you know, he 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 says out loud, I mean, very clearly. Um, if you turn to Galatians chapter uh, chapter one, he says something really incredible. Verse six: I'm astonished that you church are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel. You're turning to a different gospel. Now, maybe he could have said this to, like, the Corinthian church, which was really messed up, or, and he just didn't put it in his letter, but he says it to the Galatian church, and with the Galatians, we don't get the same kind of perspective of just abject sin, you know, that, that we see elsewhere. The Galatians are super obedient. They're following all the commands of God, they're, you know, they're, they're going above and beyond, you know? Uh, they're really, really focused on personal holiness and being set apart from, from those who are not uh, or who they perceive to not be. I mean, their consciences are, are pretty set. Uh, and Paul doesn't just say, hey, you know what? I think you misunderstood some stuff. There's some things we need to work out. He says that they're believing a false gospel. And why does he say that? He says, well, not that there's another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. If anyone's preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. Now, oh, man, the gospel is central. And, and as you read on in Galatians, you find out that their issue wasn't as cut and dry as, you know, when you explain God, man, Christ, response, you forgot bad. You forgot response. You know, that's not, that's not what he said. I don't know why he would talk that way, but that's not, that's not what he says. Um, it's, it's much more subtle and uh, that they, they're distinguishing among themselves who is the true Christian, who's following the, the letter of the law. And Paul says, you know what? Even though you are doing everything that maybe you, you grew up thinking, This is actually opposed to the grace that we have in Jesus who unites Jew and Gentile together. What you are preaching is a false gospel. Uh, The gospel has implications for everything. It has implications for your marriage. It has implications for your parenting. It has implications for your singleness. It has implications for what you do at school or at work or whether you will work or not. It has implications for all of life. Um, It should be central, foundational, essential to the way that we minister to other people—it's the starting point. In other words, so the gospel is not just what we say to people who don't know Jesus; it's what we say to people who do. Uh, we all need the gospel. We all need to be reminded. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pause there, um, and and Stephen and Teddy, you guys can run the mics. Any any questions? Um, just thinking about that, maybe especially just on like a practical side of things, just as your own kind of. Philosophy of life, um, about the gospel. Yeah, Ruben. Uh, can somebody bring a mic to to Ruben?
2: Thank you. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, this this is uh, something you know. Just as far as when you look at the foundations of the gospel, uh, you're talking about you know God, man, Christ, response and i don't know how you know i often think about grace like how grace is so huge you know um as far as it's almost like a uh, a thread that that connects all the the four you know yeah like how essential it is even in living out the gospel how uh we can be so easily fooled to think that we're living you know uh you can say i've, I've responded but you know it is only by the grace of god that you do that yeah so yeah and
0: that's that's what we need to talk about conversion too yeah yeah uh, any any other thoughts questions snide remarks anything I have a question Yeah
1: um just kind of in in fellowship like you're talking about having the gospel be the foundation of our fellowship with one another even tonight just as we sit down for dinner what are some ways to maybe like like I'm thinking okay we sit down for dinner and you don't want to assume the gospel with the people you're sitting with. So, how how are like practical ways to like I don't know, get on the same page or bring that up? Yeah. Um, of of creating like making it the foundation of yeah. of our fellowship.
0: Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think there are direct ways and indirect ways to bring the gospel to bear on on things. You know, I mean, I think it does you know, it needs to start in your mind, you know, and in your heart, like, where, what are you bringing in? What do you bring to the table? Literally, you know, <laughs> or maybe actually metaphorically, but, uh, yeah, I mean, what are you walking into that with? You know, are you walking, are you walking into it with the hope of the gospel? Because if you are, then, then that's going to trump, um, and you can't even say the word, uh, that's going to trump, uh, the other maybe worldly preferences that you're gonna that you're gonna have with where you sit. That's not to put you know that's not to cast judgment on like oh you sit with the same people every week and you're you know clearly you're not thinking about the gospel. That's not what I mean. But what I do mean is, you know, like from the moment you walk in the door, you know, the gospel would dictate that that we be open to sit with anybody that we desire to have fellowship with all the believers that Christ has redeemed. You know, I mean that that should be. A gospel motive, and and yet, how often do we walk in thinking I can't, I just can't sit at that table tonight because I am not ready for that conversation. You know, well, the gospel should should supersede that, shouldn't it? Right? Um, you know, maybe as you're sitting at the table and having conversation, and you realize what's going on in a person's life, or the the struggle they're dealing with, or or something that's really probably shouldn't be a struggle, but that they perceive to be, you know, and Damn, man, okay, maybe not right now, uh, but but here I'm. I'm kind of mining this table, I'm mining this conversation, and and I'm going to circle back around to this. And hey, remember, you know, you said something the other night, and it you know it had me thinking. Like, is this what you is this how you're perceiving things? Is this what's going on? You know, because I think the gospel speaks to that. You know, um, so I think they you know it's it, you, you're coming in with the right mindset, but you're also um, certainly being, being available and willing to rejoice in the work of the Lord and, 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 and just put forward what the gospel is, even in, in conversation like that, you know? Um, yeah. it's a good question, Teddy. Yeah, Chris.
3: How do you prevent or fight gospel amnesia? Oh, What do you find helpful?
0: Yeah, yeah. How do you prevent gospel amnesia? That's a good question. You gotta go. I mean, you gotta go to the source. You gotta, you gotta study the word, and not just like, oh, every day I read the Bible. And this is the thing, because that, the demons know the Bible very well. Um, they don't shudder. They don't rejoice. They have nothing. Uh, they don't care. So, you know, it, you, you you want the You want the word of God to be, like, adopted in, into who you are. You know, I mean, whether it, you're memorizing, you just read it a lot, or you you know. Um, as you pray through God's word. I mean, these are all ways to just kind of graft God's word into your life and make it just a part of what the way you think, you know. Um but yeah, finding having fellowship with one another, I think oftentimes overcomes gospel amnesia for me because I can read the Bible and remember the Bible and know things about it and and still maybe be willing to misinterpret or ignore uh things in my mind, but but it's, you know, it's more difficult when somebody is just refuses to to let me forget how good the Lord is, you know? Drew, were you going to say something? And then we'll move on yeah, to conversion. I was just going to say that in reading, we kind of talked about this last week, but you can read your Bible every day and never, like, remind yourself of the gospel. Yeah. And, like, I've had to make an intentional, like, okay, when I'm reading my Bible, am I looking for something for me or am yeah. I looking for... God and am I looking for the gospel and making sure like before I found any kind of like application or something just looking for Christ and and I've just found that to be super helpful so yeah absolutely um and we'll talk a little bit about that too when we think about conversion but yeah like if you're going to the Bible looking for like tips and tricks even for like a better Christian life you know um but you're not looking for Christ then you've missed it, you know, you, you, will, you will misunderstand the Bible, or you'll be quick to apply something that might not apply the way that you assume, because you can kind of read into it what you want to see um, sometimes. Yeah, let's, let's talk about conversion. Um, what is a biblical understanding of conversion? You know, I think uh, we're familiar with, you know, b- believe and repent, Repent and believe, you know, uh, Mark 1, 15. Jesus tells us to repent and believe. Um that that's you know, conversion in in its you know maybe simplest form, repent and believe. Um I think it's it's important though that we we kind of expand that a little bit, get, get into some of the nuance there. If you turn to Ephesians 2, uh verse 8, it says, um, That's not it. No, I'm looking at Philippians. I mean, I don't remember that. Uh, Ephesians 2, verse 8 says, By grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Um, I mean, conversion is its God's grace. It's a, it's a gift. Um it's It's given it is a work of God for His people. It's not something we do, it's something that He does. Um, we were dead in our sins. He made us alive uh, that that slowly uh, I think it tra- it changes the way we think about conversion uh, from a very uh, rote sort of you know, oh, I used to think this way. Now I think this way. You know, uh, to to something much more. This is a work of the Lord. Uh, this is not something that you can conjure up in yourself, uh, but this is something that the Lord, uh, by His grace, must must provide for. So conversion is is more than just some sort of man made thing, um, a, a kind of self willed um, thing. It, it it is it is evidence of the Lord at work. I mean, it's, it's a gift of God. So there, there are different words we can use to describe it. And that book that I passed out on conversion, I'm kind of cribbing this from that. Uh, three words just to think about. Uh, one is regeneration. You know, Brad preached on John chapter three a few weeks ago. You must be born again. You must be regenerated. Um, this is what it means to be converted or recreated. Second Corinthians five says that we are a new creation. Um, we were created once and, and then the same, in the same way we have been remade, recreated, uh, after the image of Christ. Um, I think of transformation as well. If you turn to Colossians chapter three, um, Verse 10, it says, we have put on the new self, which is being renewed, being transformed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Uh, conversion is more than just a decision, in other words. Um, conversion is a wholesale restructuring of who you are. I mean, it, it, you, were, you were dead and now you're alive, right? Um, you, are, you are remade, reformed, in um, the image of Jesus. Which is why, you know, you want to be so hesitant, uh, or, or not hesitant, you know, not, not stingy, but you, you want to be very thoughtful when you pronounce whether someone is converted or not. Uh, whether it's your, your, your own children or, you know, people that you, you love or people that you hate, um, you, know, you want to be so just thoughtful. Um, about saying whether or not somebody is converted, um, about saying whether or not you yourself are converted, because it is not just something that you ha- you, you declare about yourself. It's not something that anyone can just declare about themselves, um, but it's a, it's a work of the Lord. It's a, it is a reconfiguring of who you are. Uh, everything is being made new, and um, so why does this matter for the, the local church? I think it matters in, in a couple ways. It matters in the ways we maybe misunderstand conversion, and it matters in the ways that we should understand what conversion is. So how do we misunderstand conversion? I think we misunderstand conversion when we think about uh, trusting in Christ, trusting in the gospel as some sort of means of self-improvement, Right? Uh, well, this, this person is nice, <laughs> this person's better than they used to be, or, or, or this person is easier to be around for me, um, or or I find myself, you know, uh, more capable of, uh, you know, of, of, of doing this or that for the Lord or f- for the good of others, right? That, that may be good fruit, it may be signs of conversion, but it, like, that in and of itself is not proof. I mean it's, it's not evidence necessarily that you that you are converted. There are plenty of really nice people. Um but that's not what actually like you see how that like that's that's separate. That's different than having a renewed heart. C. S. Lewis talks about I think it's C. S. Lewis he talks about how uh you know you may be tempted to to judge somebody who uh is is living in in a just maybe they're their life is not the way you picture the life of a Christian should look like. And yet, if you had known them two weeks ago, you would, you would know that their life has been radically changed for the better, maybe, you know. They're still dealing with stuff, but yet Christ has changed them. Whereas for some, you may look at them and say, oh man, this person's truly walking with the Lord. And yet, for the last 30 years, they've been this exact way and they're secretly just self-righteous and they're just, you know, they find it easy to be morally good on the outside, but they're a whitewashed tomb. Um, conversion is similar. Uh, just, being, just coming to Christ for self improvement, to be made better, like that, that doesn't make somebody converted. It doesn't make them changed, renewed, regenerated, recreated. Um, you know, this is why we don't really like altar calls um, or, or, you know, like praying the prayer, you know. Um, maybe you came to faith that way. Uh, it's not to dismiss that, but it is to say that that sort of thing can so easily convince people that they're converted when they're not. Yeah, because they, they can look back and say, well, I walked down front. You know, I, I prayed this prayer. I met with this pastor. I did this. I did that. But you see how that language is actually preaching a gospel of what you've done, you know, or being saved by what you remember, being saved by what you said, um, that's not the gospel. And you know, we're saved by the work of Jesus. So, so conversion is misunderstood oftentimes when we, we just kind of put a stamp on people based on something they've done or, um, or maybe what, they, what we want to think about ourselves or others. And we, we just, we want, we need to avoid false assurance, um, which is why it's so important that we understand conversion. Uh, that we can rightly assure and encourage and build one another up. Because when we understand conversion rightly, it changes everything. So our membership process, this is where it really starts. I had a, a, a guy um, call me the other day. Um, I don't think he's in here. I don't know him, um, which is kind of the point of the story. So I had a guy call me, and he he was asking me to fill out a form for him, which was really understandable. But part of this form uh, that I was supposed to fill out was was like, I had to kind of sign off on whether I thought this person was walking with the Lord, um, whether this person was living according to biblical principles. And I, and I told him I was gracious, and he understood, but I said, man, I, I actually don't know you. If you walked in right now with your name on your T-shirt, I still wouldn't know who you are, you know? I, and, and not only do I not know you, I don't know anything about you. I don't know where you stand with the Lord, right? Um, how many how many churches, though, are, are willing to just kind of yeah, okay, you, you say you're a Christian, great, you know. No, we need, we need much more just clear standards. What, what does it look like to be a Christian? What do you believe about the gospel? What is your testimony, right? What has the Lord done? Who were you and who have you become? Uh, how did Christ do that? that? Those are the questions we ask in our member process. If you've gone through the membership class, you know, you, you know that this is, these are really important questions that we ask and insist on really getting to the bottom of, because that is the only, that's the best way that we have uh, this side of eternity to, to, to know, to gauge whether someone is converted, whether they're walking with the Lord or not. Um, uh, this is why baptism and the Lord's Supper are, are likewise so important. Um, I, you know, we, we don't just want to baptize anybody who wants to come down front. I mean, even the Lord's Supper, though, it's really, I think, difficult to Kind of guard the table on that. <laughs> I didn't see you. You're not a member. You get out. Um, you know, even even in those settings, you know, we we want to emphasize the importance of like being part of the church and being known. Um, not because you know us, but because that it, it helps us to gauge. Okay, well, are you converted? Baptism, the Lord's Supper. These are things. These are signs for the for believers, not not the world. Jesus gave them to his church. So we, 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 we think those things are important. We want to talk about conversion in that way. and It's important for discipline, right? It's important for repentance, you know, knowing if someone is following the Lord and how do we deal with it when people in the church aren't. You know, conversion is, is essential. And if we rightly understand conversion, then we won't ever assume that someone's just converted, but we will look at their life and say, you know what, you're actually living in a way that doesn't indicate that you're a new creation. Maybe we even have to bring this before the church and let them know. And, but, you know, what does repentance look like? You know, it looks like actually following, actually, actually obeying the Lord and having a renewed heart and a renewed vision for things. And, um, and it looks like love for the church. First uh, John, really all of 1 John, this whole, this whole letter is written as a way of helping Christians determine whether or not they're in the faith. If you ever wonder, am I actually a believer, you should read First John. Uh, because it will help you to discern that very quickly. But one of the ways John gives for discerning whether or not you are a believer is, do you love the church? Not do you go to church. Do you love the church? Do you, do you want to be around God's people? Do you cherish those friendships? Do you, uh, do, do you value the, the wisdom of one another? You know, do you have input in each other's lives? This is a way that we know uh, or can have confidence uh, in, our, in our conversion. What does this matter to you? right? All right. So we talk about the local church and that does involve us, but what does this matter for you? I mean, the, the conversion is the context for every single relationship. I was having lunch with some guys the other day and one of the questions they asked was, well, what's the thing that, uh, or what's one thing, maybe a major thing that's kind of helps you to think about the way you parent? And, and I hadn't really thought about that question before. You know, one of the things that struck me though was, um, not that I do this perfectly by any means, But but thinking in terms of whether or not my children are regenerate, converted, and it sounds kind of like obvious, but but the way that I treat my kids is going to be different based on whether or not I I can tell that they're converted. You know, I'm going to treat my kids differently if I think that they have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. And is your life in line with the Lord? Um, but, but then, you know, if I don't think that's the case, then right, that's going to shape how I react. It's going to shape how I think about, you know, how I raise my, my son when he's throwing a tantrum. You know, what is my response to him? Well, he doesn't believe the gospel, so how do I, how do I work with that, you know? Um, but it's the context for all source relationships. It's the context for every single relationship you have, for your, your marriages, for, for your relationship with your neighbors, for your relationships with your friends and coworkers and sworn enemies, right? All those people... Um, the, whether or not they are converted matters a great deal. Um, do you treat them like brothers or do you treat them like friends? <laughs> Logan Copley always does this when he prays. You know? he, he, when he does the call to worship, if you haven't met Logan, um, you will and you'll know it when you do. But he, uh, you know, he'll come up and say, Welcome, brothers, sisters, and friends, you know? And you're like, Oh, shot across the bow, you know? Because he's distinguishing, he's, he's discerning. He saying, Hey, some of you people in here aren't converted we're friends, but you're not my brother, you know, and that's such an important thing to know for yourself, if, if nothing else, you know, because that, that, that changes how you interact with people. It, it's the, the context for our evangelism. Um, you know, it, it means that our evangelism is, is something where we're, we're relying on the Lord to be at work, not how can I convince this person to say or do the right things, but Okay, like how is the Lord maybe going to use me to, to open the gates of this person's heart, you know? That changes it because then it's less about, it's not about gimmicks, it's not about tactics, it's not about eloquence, it's not about clarity. Uh, it's, it's, it's all about the Lord and how he'll work through you. And so in that sense, you can, be, you can be plain, you can be honest, you can be urgent, you can be confident. I lifted that from that conversion book as well. You can be all those things. It frees you up. Because it doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on on their own smarts and and ability to understand or follow what you're saying. No, just be be straightforward. Here's the gospel. Um, Because conversion is a work of the Lord. And and finally, it's it's important for our our own self-examination. You know, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul talks about how their example of, of, uh, of faith and repentance is so refreshing to him. And he says, because you you turned from your pagan ways and you you embraced the gospel. And Paul's not saying that because they walked down front or they did something. I mean, he's saying, no, your whole life has changed. You are different. The people in, in, in countries far away, they, they talk about this church. They talk about what where you are at because you're such a testament to the grace of God, to the faithfulness of the Lord to his to his people. Um, and like I said, you know, reading First John, that, that whole letter is, is written that we might examine ourselves and test and see whether we are ourselves in the faith, as uh, Second as Corinthians says. So we're, we're over time, but I, I do want to open it up to, to any questions uh, about just conversion. You know, its role in the church, its role in your own personal, personal life. Uh, one or one or two questions, anybody? And I'll stick around too if you want to talk. People just want to go home, and I'm fine with that. Anything? Anything? Cool. Well, I'll stick around. Uh, but let me pray for us. Go. Uh, go get your kids. Uh, God, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for these, these two just essential elements of what it means to be a part of a healthy church, that we understand the gospel, um, not just know things about it, but that we embrace it and, and that it is the, the, the DNA of who we are as a church family. Uh, and I thank you for the doctrine of conversion, knowing that it is your work in us to, to change us uh, and that you will change us. If we're in Christ, so uh, help us to have eyes to see and, and to build one another up, to discern whether we are in the faith, to discern whether we believe the the one true gospel that has been given to us through the ages. Uh, we pray for uh, the rest of our week that these things would echo in our minds and that we might be mindful uh, in all our relationships of of how the gospel can go forward. Is it going forward to a believer? Is it going forward to someone who's not a believer? Or maybe I just don't know. Lord, help us to think about this. Help us to be more deliberate in the conversations we have and in the things that we do, the way that we counsel one another and, and especially uh, unbelievers. And uh, we pray that you would, you would be with us as we go. In Jesus' name.